This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. Today, you're listening to episode 345, and my guest is CJ Albertson. CJ placed 10th at the Boston Marathon just a couple of weeks ago. He actually led the race up until around mile 17. So we get to hear about what his thought process was in that whole situation and how he got through that entire race, how he feels after the race, and how he wants to tackle Boston again. CJ is a 211 marathoner. He runs for Brooks Running, and he's also a cross-country and track coach for Clovis Community College. And he is going to be a new dad very soon. So we cover a lot of ground in this episode, and I really hope you enjoy the conversation. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Koala Clip. This is legit the best way to carry your phone on the run, on a bike ride, whatever you're doing. For years, I tried to find the best way to carry my phone, and I never found it until I found Koala Clip. You just put it in the back of your Razorback sports bra, and there it goes. And also, if you drive somewhere, you can throw your key in there, your car key. You can throw your ID in there. There's enough space for all the things you need. I had a spring energy gel in mine today for my long run, so it's super convenient and simple, and it won't move around and jostle around. It protects your phone from sweat, rain, snow, and cold. All right, so you all can save 10% when you go to koalaclip.com and use the code ANOTHER at checkout. And when you purchase from Koala Clip, you are supporting a small woman-owned business. So that is amazing. That's koalaclip.com and use the code ANOTHER at checkout. All right, friends, if you are loving this podcast, please leave us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. That is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. Uh, We are wrapping up the month of October for all the new ratings and reviews over there. If you just send myself, Lindsay at SandyBoyProductions.com or my assistant, Emma at SandyBoyProductions.com, we are mailing out a copy of Allie Nolan's book, Mastering the Marathon. We are going to pick a winner from all the new ratings and reviews to get that book. So make sure you get that in and let us know that you submitted it. We'll get you entered to win a copy of her book. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with CJ Albertson. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have CJ Albertson on the show. Welcome to the show. Hi, Lindsay. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming. How are you feeling? What is in your world right now? What's going on? I mean, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. It's been an exciting, uh, you know, past week and a half. And uh, but yeah, I mean, now I'm just back into normal life, just back teaching and coaching. And uh, we have our our conference championships next week, and it's just kind of moving into the postseason. So, um, kind of focused on that that now, but. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been fun. I feel good. It's so crazy when like a big life experience happens and you hit like a pretty big goal 
And then the world just keeps on moving forward. Like, oh, yeah, I'm still coaching. I'm still, you know, like, it's just like normal life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got home Tuesday, like after the marathon. And then um, and then Wednesday, it was just back. Yeah, just back normal, normal life routine. So which I think I kind of prefer it that way. It's, it's kind of nice to just be able to settle back into to what you're doing. Yeah, so for those listening and might not know, CJ placed 10th at the Boston Marathon last week. I can't believe it's only been a week and a half. So congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Um, tell us about that race. I mean, I was on a trip with my family, so I was like kind of in and out trying to pay attention to the news, but I just kept seeing people tweeting that you were like leading the race by so much and like, what, I want to know what he's thinking right now. What's going on? And, you know, since I've read articles about, you know, what was going on in your head and things like that, but, um, kind of share with us what your goals were going into the Boston marathon, where you placed 10th in a time of two eleven forty four. Yeah, so going into it, um, <clears throat> I mean, it was my first world marathon major, so obviously first Boston, and so I was just excited just to run in a big race like that and, and um, you know, run against really good international talent because I just never experienced that before. Uh, and so top 10 was was a goal of mine. Um, there was a pretty deep field that I think initially I was ranked like 29th just based on like PRs and things, and then there's a few guys that dropped out, so I ended up being like 25th or 26th at the start line. But um, yeah, so I just wanted to be top 10, just kind of get a feel for the race. Um, I knew I was in pretty good shape, so you know I just I wanted that uh, that fitness to be reflected in a race. Um, and yeah, and I was excited for the Boston course just because it starts downhill, and um, I, I knew that that would be good for me to just kind of get me up like towards the leaders like to start with and and it's always more fun for me when I'm running close to the lead or with the front pack um so yeah I was just excited for it and then uh you know and then it finally came and I got into Boston and it was just the, the whole atmosphere was really cool the weather was like amazing all weekend and there was just like great energy like around the city and um so yeah I, I mean everything leading up to it was just a lot of fun yeah so I mean, if anybody has run Boston, you know that the course is like significantly downhill in the first half of the race. And, and I, I'm with you, like those first few miles, even though you know it's downhill, you get there and you're like, whoa, I'm like just like flying down these hills. <laughs> so talk to us about your strategy there. I know that like you were just doing with what felt right, right? Yeah, I mean, I really <clears throat> excel on the downhills, um, and I had looked at like, I looked at the previous Boston splits, and so I knew that typically people run fairly conservatively on on the downhill sections. But then there's also been races where it's been fast, and you know, um, like the year Ryan Hall ran 204 there. I mean, they were their first four miles were were really fast, like all like all in like the low 430s. So I knew that. Um, Sometimes people go out very fast, and and you can you can easily run 4:30 for that first mile, uh, just you know, and the whole pack could run that, or the pack could run five minutes. You just kind of never know. So I prepared myself to be able to run like right around 4:30 for the first mile. So like I did like a long run, for example, where it was somewhat downhill, mm. um, and I opened up in 4:28, and then you know, I did that was part of like a 23 or 24 mile run uh, that I went pretty hard on. So um, so yeah, I was just kind of prepared to run the, the downhills, just kind of knowing what people had ran in the past or, or what was 
capable of, of running in the you know on the top end speed wise um and so then when it got to the race that's just what i kind of did like i ran as if the race was going to go out a little bit on the quicker side because i had prepared to do that and then no one else no one else did that but i was just kind of running what <laughs> what i thought you know was good to run um and then yeah i came through the mile like right at 432 and i was like wow this is like exactly what i planned um and then my next three miles were a little bit quicker because those were those continued to be pretty downhill and I was feeling really good. So those were slightly quicker than I thought maybe I would be. But overall, I went out exactly kind of how I thought. I just anticipated the rest of the field going out a little bit quicker. Um, and I don't know if anyone anticipated them going out as slow as they did. So it's kind of just um, more shocking because of what other people did. But I, I mean, I did pretty much exactly what I thought I was going to do. It's so weird too, because I mean, obviously the pack was together. So it's like, Who's making those decisions? Like who, who is the person that's like, no, we're going to like, let's get back up with him now. And so like, nobody knows what the other people are going to do either. So they probably were all just like, we're just staying together. That's our plan. Yeah. And no one really likes to lead. I mean, there, the, the wind wasn't bad. I actually didn't even notice a headwind. Um, on paper, there was supposed to be a headwind. And I, I think the other guy said that there was, but I was just kind of in the zone. So I don't know. It, you didn't notice much it? to me but no but um but yeah i mean when it, it theoretically when it is a headwind and like just early on in the race no one really wants the lead and so you're kind of just like you know it you're like hoping someone else will take it especially like when there's like a huge pack you know it's kind of like uh i don't know what that psychological phenomenon mm -hmm. is but basically the more people you kind of just expect someone else will do it and so no one actually <laughs> does it um so that that's another benefit I think of like kind of going out in the front is it just it makes every it can make everyone a little uneasy because like people are kind of like well we should kind of go but you know no one wants to be that person that leads it so um it just kind of I don't know I don't I don't like being in the pack when there's a when there's people out front because it and we're and I know we're running slow because I don't want to lead my pack either. But I'm like, well, someone has to go. Like, yeah, somebody make a move. Can't let get too far. So it just makes you kind of uneasy, at least in the back of your mind. I'm assuming your hope was like, I'm this far ahead at this point. Like, I'm going to get far enough ahead that they're not going to be able to close the gap. Yeah, I didn't start thinking about that until like close to halfway, um, because I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't think there was any possibility of them just letting me go mm -hmm. completely. Um, but then once I got to like around, you know, around halfway and I had like a two minute lead still up until like 14 miles, it was like around two minutes. Um, that's when I was like, OK, like winning, like winning is a possibility now. Like yeah. they like I have a big enough lead. It, now it's kind of up to me if I can run fast enough. It's going to be it's going to be really hard for them to catch me um, or at least hard for a lot of them to catch me, you know, depending on how fast I can run. So. But yeah, I mean, the first whole 10 miles, I never really, that wasn't even a thought. Like, I'm, it wasn't even a thought that I'm trying to stay away. But yeah, once we got to halfway and it was like, it had, because it was growing all the way up until that point, which I, I wasn't. Every time I heard the split increase, because I knew what I was running. And so every time I heard them, like, the gap was increasing, I was just, I was surprised every single time. Because <laughs> it just, it didn't make sense, like, why why that was like I was like this gap shouldn't be happening but yeah whatever I'm gonna go with it so <laughs> what were you thinking when they finally did approach you uh well I knew they were gonna be coming at some point especially because I had been slowing down and um but 
I didn't hear like I didn't hear them at all, and I didn't hear anybody say anything. So um, even though I knew they had to be coming like at any time, still when they initially passed me, like I, I didn't hear them at all. And then all of a sudden, like there's a big group, um, and I also wasn't expecting a big group. I was expecting it to be more broken up at that uh. point. But there was like 15 people, you know, just this giant pack that just goes right by. Like and so it was kind of like shocking in the moment. Not that I was shocked that they came, but just like at how it all happened and that there was this massive pack still with, you know, five miles to go in the race. Did it like, because I know that you dropped back and then you caught back up and then you end up like getting, you know, passing a bunch of people at the very end. But like, how did you keep your head in the game like I can still finish a strong race just because they've all caught me and like people are passing doesn't mean I can't still finish this straight thing really freaking strong. Yeah. Well, I knew the odds were that uh, they were going to catch me, you know, so I knew um, it was just most likely they're going to, they're probably going to catch me at some point. So when they do, like I have to race, like for me, Mm -hmm. like, and that was kind of my, that was kind of how I was going in. I thought there's a chance I could have the lead, you know, four miles in and then, okay, then we regroup at like five miles and it's like, then I figure out, okay, where I'm going to go. And so it kind of just bides me some time and gets me into the race. So then I'm thinking, okay, when the, then after I had the lead, I was thinking, okay, when they catch me, like now I have to race, like that's when my race is going to start basically. Um, because I knew like I'd have to respond, you know, in order to, to run with them. Um, so then when they passed me, we were towards the end of the hill and, and, I mean, the hill was a struggle for me, so I couldn't exactly get on with them, but I was able to accelerate and kind of minimize the the gap. And so they maybe only got like 20 meters on me by the time we got up over the hill. And then I just had to like, you know, make a move hard on the downhill to, to catch back up because um, I knew I had to be at least attached to the pack if I wanted a chance to, you know, to beat some of those guys. So, yeah, that's kind of what happened. I, w- I was able to accelerate get to the top of the hill and then really accelerate on the downhill and then pull back up right even with the leader. And that's kind of right before he made his real big move. And then, yeah. And then I kind of got like dropped again, but I was like, I was at least like in contact with everybody just kind of off the trail end of the, of the whole pack. So then in the last mile, um, I was able to run some people down because I was, you know, I was within striking distance. Yeah. And you, you were really only like a little bit more than a minute behind the first place person, right? I think it ended up being like a minute and 50 or so. Oh, I mean, because he, okay. he beat he beat everyone else. I mean, he won by 43 seconds all in the last like three and a half miles of the race. Oh, I mean, wow. his his last, yeah, his last 5K or his last like four miles was, was really impressive because <laughs> he just he blew everyone away. Yeah, like how did you feel the first like 23 miles of the race if you were able to like kill it that hard in the last three miles yeah because he he was running under 430 pace like the whole last three to four miles wow well you know when you when you're in the lead like that I think back to 2014 when Meb did that he was out by himself and then nobody ended up catching him and so I thought oh maybe that was like like maybe (laughs) I can just hang on as long as I possibly can though I'm certain Meb had ran Boston several times before that. So this was your first Boston experience. This is like your first um, your first time like going up the Newton Hills. Tell me what those felt like. <laughs> well, yeah. So the first of the hills, it, like I never really noticed like a, a huge hill. I just kind of noticed it in my splits. Like I was slow. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I must have been <laughs> running uphill. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, the hills really weren't that bad. I think I was tired by the time I hit the hills. Um, and then, I mean, some of them were, I mean, they were hard just because they're long. They're kind of longer, but they're not really that steep. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing about the hill. Like, everyone has ran much tougher hills than those. It's just kind of where they're at on the course that make them difficult. And, yeah, and then everyone has, you know, just different strengths. So it's like, if you're if you're good on hills, then, you know, it's nothing, and you're probably going to yeah. pass a lot of people. Um for whatever reason, like my stride, I just typically haven't ran as, as fast, like on those types of gradients um, or just any any sort of uphills. But yeah, but I didn't think they were too bad. Um, I mean, Heartbreak Hill wasn't wasn't fun and it was also like my most tired point in the race and I wasn't moving very fast. But I still don't think the hills were like, like knowing what the hills are now, I, I wasn't actually intimidated at all by the hills, which is why I went out so fast. Mm. Um, or why I went out the way I did. I still don't think I went out that fast, but um, but now that I've ran it, I'm I feel the exact same way. <laughs> like yeah. they're not they're not that you have to be able to know how to run them. But um, and I think I can learn some things. But there, I I still don't think that they're they don't warrant the conservancy that I think some people give them because they're not really that challenging. Or they're you can run well. I mean, Colin Benny ran really well up them. Um, and I don't think he's like more talented than, than me. So it's like, they're kind of, you know, things get their name and their reputation and like, yeah. they kind of like, they grow larger than they really are. Totally. <laughs> Which is fun. I mean, it's fun to do that, but when you're out there, it's, they're not bad. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's fun that it's like a thing. Yeah. I totally get what yeah. you're saying. Like you in the, yeah. People mark on the road, like heartbreak hill or whatever. Um, do you feel like now that you know the course, though, like, does that make you excited to kind of master it and, and perfect how you perform on it? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and knowing kind of how, because uh, those first few miles were a little bit steeper than I expected. And so I think, um, I think, yeah, I can do more uphill work. And I think most people would be like, oh, you got to do more uphill work because that's where you struggled. And, and like, that's true. But I think I can also double down more on the downhills um, and just get a little bit steeper work down the, um, downhill so that my legs are a little bit more fresh when I get to the latter stages. Because I think they were they, my legs did break down a little bit more than I anticipated uh, just because of the, the, it was slightly steeper and and there was just a lot of, I mean, there was just a lot of downhill even more than I anticipated. And and I was able to run faster than I thought I would, um, which, but then that can also lead to some breakdown. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I mean, training for it again, I would just kind of double down on my downhill work, um, get a little bit better on the uphills. But, you know, I think that first half, I, you know, can be closer to closer to 63 minutes mm. than 64 and I think to really be competitive you have to be able to run like 63 low and then 64 minutes the second half to be able to run like 207 208 because um, you know moving forward not all the races are going to be as slow as they were this sure. year so you got to be able to to run fast and and for me that means I have to be able to run the first half fast and be still be somewhat not broken down on the second half I know you lean towards longer distances and, you know, you said like, oh, that was technically a, a PR for me in a half. It's downhill, whatever. But like, do you want to like run a half just to see what you can do? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not against running a half. I just, it just hasn't worked out on the, on the calendar, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have, 
I don't feel like I need to run like a fast half mm. to be like, oh, I can do this. So then I can like, I just, yeah, I don't feel like I, I need to do it. But if, if a race comes along that I, that works well within my racing schedule um, and just life schedule, then yeah, I'd do a half and I'd anticipate I could run somewhere in the 62 minutes. But, um, but I also, I, I also don't really care. That much. <laughs> um, you seem confident, but like, did that race give you confidence about like what you can do on a big stage? You were the second American to finish. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I mean, it definitely gives me confidence. I mean, I had confidence going in, but you know, you, the, the more times that you do something, um, the better it gets. And, uh, like I had, you know, I had like some, some struggles, like my, to end high school and, and, um, early years of college where I just, I felt like I was fit, but I'd race pretty bad. And so, so like, you know, those are still in the back of your mind. Like, okay, like I know training has been going well, but like, I don't want to blow up. I don't want to have a terrible race out of nowhere. And, and in the marathon, you know, that can happen. Um, it's never actually happened to me before, but like, it's like, you always know that it could. And so sometimes, you know, you just have those like, past thoughts that are like oh well like I don't know what if it just goes bad um and so the more times that you just race consistently like those those thoughts get pushed back mm-hmm. like they're they're less less and less real because it's like you've like now I've I've run 211 like three times um and then I you know I've I've always kind of raced the marathon where I thought my fitness was um, the marathon project wasn't as good of a race, but like, I felt like that was a bad race and I ran to 11, 18 and which was a PR at the time. So it was like, you know, my, my, my floor has raised and like, now it's like, I'm still trying to see what I can hit as far as my ceiling. Like, I, I don't really feel like I've nailed a race and it's gone like perfect and really good. And I've ran as fast as I possibly could. Um, but the confidence is like, as my floor keeps raising, you know, that, um, that's encouraging because it, it gives you, you can take more risks and things because, you know, it's like, I'm not so concerned about not doing bad. It's like, I can just focus on like trying to do really good. Yeah. How do you, um, going forward, like when you choose to race, you know, I talked to Sarah Hall about this a lot. It's like, um, taking the risk, right? Like I should be fit to do this, but like, things could blow up. We don't know what's going to happen. So like, how do you balance like, um, taking the risk, but also like staying in your wheelhouse so that you don't blow up? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure because, uh, I've, well, besides, yeah, I've always been like close to the front at most of the races. So I've never really had like the opportunity where it's like, okay, I can, I can run like 60, three flat for the first half like in Boston like when you're running out front by yourself like you can only push so much because you're you're by yourself so your body kind of naturally like puts you at the pace that you should be Mm. um you know whereas like if there was like a group of a group of guys running with me or running faster and like people probably wouldn't have run much faster the first four miles but like after we got to the more flat section like from five miles to ten miles if there was a group that was all running 450 pace um, then that would have been a time where like, okay, maybe I could have gone, tried to go with them, even though that's way faster than I've ever ran. Um, and so then it would have been that, that would have been a time where it was like, 
yeah, maybe I would have risked and mm. who knows how, how it would have gone. But uh, I also feel like it's it's hard. I kind of joked about this before the race for some of the other racers, but it's hard for me to really go to push that fast to where I'm going to blow up because my my speed, like my 10K speed isn't much faster than my marathon speed. So like <laughs> I don't have that many gears. And, and even I feel like even if I like um, kind of get tired, it's like, I can regroup for a mile or two and maybe I'll have like a couple slow miles, but then I can get back into like five minute pace or five Oh five pace. So it's like my, you know, my blowing up, like at least in the past, like traditionally it's like I can slow down to five Oh five pace it, on flatland mm -hmm. uh, uphill, like go a lot slower, but five Oh five on flatland. And like, yeah, like I'm not going to run two Oh seven, like running five Oh fives, but I'm not going to slow down to like two twenty. It's going to be, so that's just typically how things have gone for me. Do you like? Do you feel like focusing on the shorter speed stuff would ever benefit you to so that you can like kick it into those higher gears in the marathon? Um, a little bit, but there's just like a, a balance there. So yeah, I don't know. It's like I think I have to approach it kind of from a marathon standpoint, and so like instead of like doing a lot of speed stuff to like get it faster I kind of have to keep doing more like aerobic type stuff like with some speed but like and kind of like knock knock the pace down versus like dragging the pace down like so there's a difference between like getting faster and then like racing a fast like 10k for example so like the 5k and 10k like your your lactate levels and everything you're you're, you're trying to race basically be able to race with like high lactate levels mm -hmm. which in the marathon you never do at all so like so I have to be able to be like comfortable and be able to run fast paces, like be able to run like, you know, 430 pace, like pretty smooth and comfortable. But I don't necessarily need to be good at like main, maintaining, you know, like running faster than threshold and maintaining high lactate levels for a long period of time or for like 20 minutes, which is like the 10K, because like that's not what my race is. So the training is different. So like I could be fast but not necessarily be able to run a good 10K, but I'm fast for the marathon. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but it does make sense. It's just, it's, I don't know. This is a longer discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying. Um, you are very, like, researched, and you kind of, like, do a little bit of unconventional training from what I've seen. Can you talk about your approach and why you train the way that you do yeah um i think for marathon training it's relatively simple i mean you just basically have to you basically just have to not break down so you're never running like faster than your threshold pace you're not dealing with like rising lactate levels and like shutting lactate out and and all those types of things and and like your vo2 max is important but it's not like a lot you basically just you have to be able to run as close to your threshold as you can and just be able to like hold it and not have your legs, you know, start to break down and, and have like actual like muscle breakdown, which will slow you down. So, um, it makes training kind of e like easy in a sense because I, I just love have that. to like, I love that you say that it makes training easy. Keep simple, going. maybe simple versus easy, <laughs> but it's like, I, I just have to be able to run this pace for a long time. And yeah. so like doing long runs is like, it's just one, I like doing them, but it's the easiest way to do that. And and you can't really 
you can't practice it any other way other than just running for a long time. Like there's no, I mean, yeah, there's really no other way to do it. So, um, but, and then the other workouts, like I'm still working on my, working on my speed and, and working at being comfortable and, and, and improving your threshold will help because it kind of raises that, that ceiling as far as where you can go. Mm-hmm. So I'm still doing those types of workouts, but I don't have to, there's not the pressure of like getting it just right. You know, like a 10 K, like you gotta, you gotta like, well, 5k more. I think the 5k is the hardest event to train for, but the 10k is pretty hard too. Um, at least 5k, like to peak for a 5k is just so messy. Like it's difficult. Tell me about, tell me about the mess. What's so messy about it? So like you're, cause you're running, you have to, you're running so much faster than your threshold that like you have to be really good at managing your lactate and clearing it. And then in a race, you're going to have surges. And so you have to be able to clear lactate really fast and do a lot of lactate tolerance work. But then, but then you can only do so much of that because it, it can kind of take away from your aerobic capabilities and then the stress of that and just your overall hormones and, and everything that goes in your body when you do that type of intense work is, it, it just is dip, like you, there's a real fine line balance and it's easy to overtrain. Mm. And then on top of that, you got to be able to develop a kick. So to be world class, you know, you got to be running, you got to be able to run a 52 second last 400 when your lactate levels are already high. And so you have to have some speed and speed endurance and that all goes in the training. And so you have to do some, some anaerobic work, but so balancing all of that and then, and then peaking at the same time and getting the peak, right. Um, there's just a lot more components that go into winning a 5K. You can run a fast 5K, but to be a, to be a winner, someone that can win a race, there's a lot that goes on, uh, and it's it's just hard to put all the pieces together. Whereas in marathon training, you know, you kind of have a little bit, but for the most part, you just have one big piece, and you just you you go in on that. Um, yeah, so that's why it's it's hard. And then and then for coaching the 5K, you have different types of athletes, mm. and they all that balance is going to be different for all of them. Um, so it's just this is hard. I think it's hard to coach. And he does coach too, just so everybody knows. <laughs> hey, everybody! A quick break here to let you know that the Donna Marathon weekend is 14 weeks away. This is the weekend of February 6th down in Jacksonville, Florida. The whole race supports breast cancer survivors, people walking through breast cancer, and it also funds groundbreaking research. The Donna Foundation is such a special organization and such a great organization to support. And this race is so much fun. It starts and finishes on the beach. They have a 5K that weekend, a half marathon and a marathon, and they also have lots of relay options as well. I will be down there in Jacksonville with my whole family and we're going to do a meetup. It's going to be super fun. I would love to meet listeners there. And I do have 14 week training plans for a half marathon on my website, lindsayhine.com. So you should definitely check that out. If you need a training plan for that, you can use the code Lindsay 10 to save 10% off of all Donna marathon races. Um, and you can also use the code Lindsay 10 to save $10 off my training plans. Uh, So go to breastcancermarathon.com, use the code Lindsay10, and that'll save you 10%. Let me know if you'll be joining us down in Jacksonville. I cannot wait. Okay, back to the show. Um, 
tell me like when you're doing the long runs, how many, like I've talked to so many different marathoners that have different strategies for this. What is your like long run? How many miles at marathon pace is your max when you're training? Um, I don't necessarily run them all at marathon pace. It kind of changes every, every build up, but like, uh, I'll go anywhere from like, like if I'm, so this buildup, I did a lot of like 22 to 24 milers and I was going, I try to start out fast just to kind of get into that mode. Um, and then I'd back off to maybe like five, 10 or so was kind of like my like cruise pace. So that's like, you know, around like 10 to 12 seconds slower than my marathon pace, which isn't much, but I feel really comfortable at that pace. And then I try to close back down at marathon pace or faster for the last couple miles. Um, if I'm doing a longer, long run, like if I'm going like 27 to 30, then I try to keep that around like 10 to 15 seconds slower than marathon pace. But the whole 27 to 30 miles? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That seems like more. Maybe 20 seconds. That seems like, and I mentioned earlier that, you know, people have talked about you having like an unconventional approach to training. That seems like a lot of miles really fast. I mean, I've talked to some people like I'll give an example, Marty Heher, who trains like he's like, oh, yeah, we just did max like 12 miles at marathon pace for our for our long runs. And I'm like, that is like so extremely different. I know you said 15 to 20 seconds off, but that's still really fast. Yeah, for me, like marathon pace is fairly hard. But when I back off, like even five, 10 seconds off marathon pace, it's it's not so hard. I okay. like, I have a very, um, like my, my windows are very short. So like if I back off just a touch, like that's why in races, like if I'm blowing up, like I can kind of like, and I'm on the flat, I can fall back to like five Oh five, five ten. So it, and cause that's like kind of comfortable for me. Um, but yeah, when I'm like, when I'm, when you're really trying to be like elite and maintain four fifty five or under, like that just is a lot harder for me. Um, like the, the difference between 510 and 455 may not seem like a lot, but for me, it's like, it's a lot. Like okay. it's like, I, I feel like I could run 510 pace for, I, I don't know, like when I'm really in shape, like 35, Wow. even up to 40 miles. I mean, I've never done it. And my 50 K was like slightly slower than that, but I, I wasn't even, I, I've been in better shape than I was when I did the. 50k he's record, saying he but, could do it faster yeah but I, I think like that pace like I just get dialed in and I just feel really comfortable whereas other most other people aren't like that I guess so like but that's just like my strength like since I can do that I just do it um and it's and it's something that I think because I've always done it that way that I've just adapted to so uh even from high school I would do my long runs pretty fast like we'd go I'd go like 15 miles like under six minute pace, which for a high schooler was probably pretty fast. And then in college, I got up to like 18 to 20 miles. And my, I remember doing one of like my fastest was at like 522 average pace. Wow. Um, so, I mean, so then after years and years of that and then doing almost all of my long runs at that, like every week or every two weeks for, you know, a couple of years, it just, you get better at it. And it, so now it's just kind of natural. Do you ever run slow? Yeah, I mean, not not on like a long. I don't like to. I hate. I don't even know how people do long runs slow because you're just out there forever. So long, yeah. And it's just boring. I get really, I get bored. But on like my, my just normal run days, um, yeah, I run easy and, and slow. 
What or does that I'm, look like? Um, well, so Fresno, I live at sea level and Fresno is pretty flat. And so it's just smooth roads. So like he runs running. fast is what he's saying. <laughs> well, no, it's like, it's like 630 pace. Okay. Yeah. But, um, tell us about, you ran the treadmill 209 marathon on the treadmill, right? Yeah. When did you do that? Uh, last year, two weeks after the 50K that I did. And then it was like, I think like four weeks before the marathon project. Okay. Yeah. So the 50K, which was a uh, world record at the time, right? 242 yeah. on the track. So, so you do that, you do the 50K and then you do the 209 on the treadmill. And then four weeks later you do the marathon project. And I remember when you were going into the marathon project, everybody was like, what is he doing? How can he handle this? Like, you know, like, and then, but people were also like, this is, you know, he could be the one that wins this thing. So, and then you mentioned also that you didn't have the great, a great race at the marathon project, even though you PR'd. Tell us about your mindset during that time, because that's a lot of hard work in like six weeks. Yeah. Uh, after, so after the Olympic trials, is kind of like when all the COVID stuff started happening. And then my training was, well, I wasn't, there was nothing to train for. So I really wasn't training and I was just kind of running a little bit, but all summer I was running pretty low mileage, like 50 to 60 miles a week, maybe um, not really training for anything. And then in the fall, like I just, I wanted to do something. So we, we set up the 50 K and the 50 K, it was something that I knew I could do. And I was almost like, so confident that I was that I could do it that I didn't have that like urgency and training like I just I ran enough to like and did like enough long runs to where like be like you know to be in shape but it wasn't I didn't have that like passion or like that like fire to like do something I've never done before because I had ran pretty much the 50k record in practice before so I knew I could kind of do it without really doing anything special, which, which isn't a great mindset to have right. <laughs> when you're trying to train. <laughs> but so yeah, my training leading up to the 50 K wasn't really that good. And then, um, but then like once I like was it within two weeks, then you kind of get like, Oh shoot, like I gotta be, I gotta be good. <laughs> so like I got into the mindset and then once I did that, then I was kind of in like, okay, my season started, I'm in like race mode. Um, but it was still kind of, I don't know, it was still just kind of a, a weird time. And, and I was excited to run the marathon project, but not like I was like for Boston or for like, because it was just kind of, you know, it's a it's just a different type of race. Like we just have 50 guys and we're yeah. just going and running. And so it was just hard to like get into that zone that you really needed to get into. And so the, that's where how the treadmill run came was because I just like, I, I don't know, I just wasn't really like as normally like I wake up for a long run and I'm like really excited. Like I'm cause like those are my workouts that I really go after and I have fun with them, but I just wasn't, I just really didn't even really want to do a workout. So I'm like, I'm just going to, and it was like somewhat smoky outside, but it, it wasn't, I could have ran outside. Um, but so I was like, I'll just run on the treadmill. Just, it just seemed mentally easier, which some people would be like, that's, crazy it's <laughs> treadmill sucks but I don't know for me it just seemed easier and then as I was kind of like getting ready it just popped into my mind like let's just see if I can run 210 uh and then I kind of was like doing the math okay what pace what mile an hour is that and you know is there what incline do I need to set the treadmill at to like equal wind resistance or whatever 
And then I just literally just set the pace of that and started running. And I actually didn't think I'd go the full marathon, but you know, you kind of just like, all right, just one more, one mm-hmm. more mile, two more miles. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, I'm at 18. So I just got to finish it out. And then when I finished, I felt pretty good and <laughs> I actually added on another mile, but you did. Yeah. It just, yeah. I ran, at the same pace. I, ended up, I ran 20. I kicked it up to 448. Ah! <laughs> I don't know. I'm. I feel like I. You get good at the treadmill. Like uh-huh. it's. You run slightly different, maybe. And yeah. I like mastered how to run on the treadmill. To I don't know, but yeah. I. I it was just. It just kind of happened. No, I know what you mean about the treadmill. I haven't ran on the treadmill in a while, but I would. I've gone through phases where I've like done a lot of treadmill runs, and I. I don't know. There's like a mental thing. I could get. I can will myself to run faster on the treadmill sometimes, and I know that like. The wind resistance. Well, you thing can't. You physically can't slow down. Right, unless you push the button. Yeah, or or you, you know, smash your teeth or something like. Yeah. You, you fall. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really enjoy doing speed work on the treadmill. I don't know why. I it's less intimidating to me for some reason. Yeah. What did you put it at for the wind resistance? Uh, one and a half percent. So you one and a half percent for the whole time. Yeah. That seems kind of hard. I usually just bump it up to point five. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, it, it well, it seems hard now too. I don't know how I did it to be honest. <laughs> when you start out with it, there, I feel like like so. If you start at zero yeah. and then put it at one point five, it feels like a lot. Yeah. But I think since I I think I warmed up with it there, and then started there, so I just that's what it was. You know, you didn't. Yeah, this is just what it was. Yeah, and that maybe that was the same thing with the headwind at Boston. Like, I didn't notice it because I just started like uh-huh. it with that. So it was like, oh, this is just. It just is what it is. I feel like you could have done 1.0 and it still would have been legit. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it said at five. I don't know. I just used some calculator. and. But yeah, now now in my head, because like, I've been running a little bit on the treadmill, not as much. But when I think of 1.5%, like it doesn't – like sometimes I'm like, I don't know how I did that. Yeah, but... <laughs> it seems really hard. I'm yeah. sure you did more math and figured it out way more than me just saying – well, I just use some been calculator online uh, because the faster you're going, the more air resistance there would be. So like uh, at, at like seven minute pace, 1% is like pretty equivalent. Oh, okay. And then at like eight minute pace, it's like 0.5. It, so it, oh. the faster you go, you know, cause it'd be, you'd be hitting more air yeah. or whatever. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. See there, we all learned that this, this <laughs> podcast episode. Okay, great. Um, okay, so what did you place at the Marathon Project? I was 10th. Ten- oh, 10th. That's like your number. Yeah. What do you want that number to be? I want it to be one. Yeah. We, we can kick, knock off the zero at the end. Do you think that like, um, you know, throwing in that treadmill run, it's like, it sounds like you just needed to like spice up your training and like do something fun. Yeah, and that's typically how it is. With most of those things I do, it, it's usually just keeping it fun, fun for me, what I, that my brain thinks is fun. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's most of it. What is, what is your mental game look like? What is CJ saying in his head when it's like getting really hard? When it's getting really hard, I, I try to just tell myself that it's easy. So like I say, like running's easy, you know, it, it should be easy. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of just repeating that, especially for the marathon, because like if it's getting really hard in a marathon, it's probably not going to go very well. So like mm. you have to find a way for it to be easy or, or comfortable. And that doesn't mean you slow down, but you have to find a way to make the pace that you're running just feel easier. Um, and so that's 
typically what I say to myself. And then um, also just trying to like look good uh, and, and kind of look like how like, you know, a champion, like a Olympic champion, you know, would look. And so when like when I was training for Boston, I was just visualizing like interacting with the crowd and like kind of like pumping up the crowd and like getting them excited and, you know, like throwing up my arms and stuff. Um, just, just so that like it, it keeps you from thinking about if you're tired or not. It's just like, you're just kind of engaged in the race. Like you're, you're putting on a show. Like it's just like, and so that's kind of what I did. And I envisioned, and I envisioned doing that, you know, no matter what place I was at the race. Um, and then during the race, I was able to do that and kind of run with that confidence and like interact with the crowd and, um, it, it just takes your mind off whatever may be going on inside that that doesn't feel good because um, you're just kind of keeping things, you know, external and just running with like that that confidence. You don't have a coach, do you? No. Would you ever? Um, yeah, I'm not like opposed to a coach. It just I just I just kind of started out. Well, because I started out just doing it for fun. I wasn't trying to be competitive. Uh-huh. I just was like, I'm just gonna do a marathon, and then I ended up doing good and qualifying for the trials and then kind of going from there. Um, yeah. And I've always kind of just liked to do what I want to do. So, um, so I never, but yeah, so I'm not opposed to just kind of like if it, if it works out, I, I will have one, but also I like, I have an idea. I mean, I have a pretty strong sense of like how I want to do things and what I know that works for me. And so, you know, a coach would have to fit with that and so it would have to be kind of a real unique like specific situation um just because of how just because of how I know I am and and how I do best um but yeah yeah because um so you know obviously you want to win and so much of this is is you know you want your performance to be the best possible performance but it sounds like it's also like what am I doing that is keeping me happy? Yeah, I think you're going to run faster when you're happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that sometimes people can lose lose sight of that. Like, oh, I have these, like, this big goal, this is the big goal. But if I'm not, like, keeping it fresh and doing what makes it enjoyable, I'm you might miss out on a lot. Just, like, physically but emotionally as well. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, definitely. And for me, I like to I like to experiment with things too and and just kind of I don't know, not like random things, but just like try different things out and part of that is fun for me. Mm. Um but then like it's but I also think that like it can have some benefits too. Um and so doing, you know, doing things a little bit different but in a way that is it's it's a calculated different. But then it's also fun because it's like maybe no one's done it this way before. Yeah. So I'm going to f- see what it does for me. What are you experimenting with now or next? Um, not I mean, I, my, my last bit, like my build up for Boston was, I think, pretty um, normal, I guess. Um, I did I did some more like. I mean, some of my downhill stuff was maybe a little bit different, but I did like some more like downhill sprinting than maybe people would do like I did some real hard like downhill 200s and um, just really like almost going all out in a, it makes you really sore, but I feel like it can strengthen you. It's also a little dangerous, not dangerous, but higher risk for injuries. Yeah. So you have to, not everyone, you have to have a good foundation of 
strength and downhill running and my, like durability under you before you can do something like that. Um, and, and have ran fast down before. Um, but I've built that up over time. Um, but yeah, for like looking ahead, like if, you know, if I run Boston again, for example, like that I have, uh, just different, different things that I want to do, just different routes in my head that I would do to kind of simulate Boston. Mm. And then, um, and every buildup is different for me. So it, it never goes the exact same way. It's always a little bit different. And, uh, so I, you know, I can't really tell you what, like the new different things will be for the next one. Cause I don't know yet. <laughs> is, that's kind of exciting though, to think like being able to run Boston again so quick since it's like, it was in the fall this year. Yeah, it does seem quick. So yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm not like first, like for sure doing it yet. Like it's, I mean, it like, yeah, sure. The last race just happened. So like, sure. I don't know. I mean, I'm still figuring things out. Are you still thinking about running CIM? Uh, yeah, I'm like kind of recovering still, but still running. And then, um, I'm kind of, I'm playing, like I'm in the mindset of like planning on doing it, Okay. but like, we're also like when our baby comes and like, I don't know how life will adjust there. And, and so I'm just like, it's, we'll just kind of see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's really exciting. When is the baby due? November 7th. Okay. Yeah. I think you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be I don't know. <laughs> you'll be tired. You'll be tired, but you probably run tired before, right? I I, I typically sleep pretty well, so I don't, well, no, I don't. <laughs> I get good sleep. I don't always sleep. I'm a light sleeper, so I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Me too. Is your I'm a light sleeper as well. Is your wife a light sleeper? No. How did you guys meet? She she ran at Arizona State. Oh, okay. So, so you, we were we were you, teammates. Oh, nice. Okay, what does she do now? Does she still run? Uh, I mean, not that. She, since she's been pregnant, not much, but she's a, she's a nurse. Okay. She she's doesn't run competitively. No, she ran the Olympic trials actually in the marathon. Oh, she did? Um, yeah. And then she, I don't remember when she started working. I don't know. Basically, since she's been working full time, uh-huh. she hasn't, uh, she hasn't been running as competitively. Okay. So the Olympic trials was her last competitive race. Yeah. Like a last hurrah, for, at least for now. For now. Yeah. What are you most excited about with becoming a dad? Um, I don't know because I'm not a dad yet. <laughs> I, I feel like people ask me like when I'm, if I'm like ner- like my feelings and it's like, I don't know. How can I have feelings about something that hasn't <laughs> happened yet? Like, so when I have my baby, like then I'll know because I'll be experiencing it. But yeah, I really haven't even like, I don't know. I feel like I just don't have a lot of thoughts or feelings. It's like, when I have the baby, then I will adjust and it will be how it will be. I don't, so yeah. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm excited just like as they grow up, like I, I see like when they like get into like doing things like the, the first initial like baby stage, I don't really know what to be excited about. <laughs> <laughs> well, they just sleep. I'll tell you that yeah. they just, for the first like 12 weeks, they just sleep all day and you're like, what are you, or not the first 12 weeks, but the eight weeks and you're just like, what are you, are you supposed to be doing something right now? And they're <laughs> yeah. just sleeping. So yeah, no, I totally get that. And I think it's different too when you're not the one that's like um, physically carrying a child. You have like, you know, as a mother and when you are carrying a child, you have like a different kind of bonding experience pre-birth. So I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Hey friends, a quick break here to let you know that I am back at it with my Patreon page. We took a little break because my family moved from 
Indiana to North Carolina and it was kind of a lot with four kids and getting set up with a new school district and all the things. But uh, we are back. We've got two new episodes from September and October. Those are episodes with my husband, Glenn, where we just, we kind of talk about life, what our life is like here. And um, in this most recent episode, we talk about if we're going to run the Raleigh half marathon or not. Uh, Glenn pitches to me how I can meet some mom friends here in Raleigh. And there's a little Halloween talk, a little Ted Lasso talk. It's just super casual and hopefully fun. So you all can check those conversations out and support this podcast when you go to patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. And I just want to give a big shout out to everybody who stuck around because we took a three month break with no content over there. And your support through those months to support this podcast means so much to me. So thank you. But I am also very excited to be back at it and be delivering you content over there. Uh, So again, to support the show and get bonus content from me, go to patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. Okay, back to the show. So tell us a little bit about your coaching and, and how you balance out like your hardcore training and coaching at Clovis Community. Uh, I really like coaching. It, it just helps. It helps me. Well, it helps my running and it helps my personal training just because I'm like kind of in that mode where I'm like constantly uh, just reminding people like what it kind of takes to be great and then it's also like reminders to myself so Mm. it's like okay like I gotta do this too and like just like the mindset that you have um and then just also the routine and consistency like I I do better in routines and so when the pandemic kind of like prevented us from practicing and meeting and having a season um my routine was just off and it was harder for me to train but yeah and it's just cool to like I I feel like I don't know how it is for for professional runners that only run but I feel like maybe there could be more more emphasis on like how you're performing and for me like I I still want to perform really well and I have a lot of high goals and and I'm really competitive but then but for most of my life I'm just focusing on my athletes and trying to get the most out of them and you know and being able to celebrate when they do good and and or if they don't do good kind of talk through those those hard times and so just when you're not thinking about yourself all the time, because you just have so many other people to, to worry about, I guess, or to care for it, it, it like, it, I think it, it makes it easier for me, because um, there's not as much pressure on my running. It's just like, you know, I just kind of run and train what I can. And then, but my like, kind of focus is on like, hoping they do well. And that, I don't know, I found that really helps me, uh, maybe I guess just the balance yeah it, I get the most out of myself when it's in that perspective you'll probably feel that even more once you have a baby that I've I've thought about that yeah I feel like <laughs> that too I feel like I'm gonna be like have like just additional superpowers when I'm yeah. a father <laughs> yeah I mean yeah because like you go about your everyday and your own training and your own goals and stuff but like at the end of the day it does end up being like taking care of your child is probably the most important job you'll ever have right yeah okay well what's your like big hairy audacious goal like what's your like dream big goal what do you want to do I mean I I definitely want to make the Olympics I feel like it's hard to 
think about winning until like you make it. <laughs> so that's like, you know, winning is like a, another, like kind of another level that I think in my head, I kind of haven't wrapped that around, but, but I mean, making the Olympics, I think right now I can see like, that's a, that's a realistic mm-hmm. thing that I can achieve. And that would be awesome. Um, and then I just, I have just kind of random other goals that I don't really know how I'm going to fit in or, or if I'm even going to like attempt them or how it's going to go, but just kind of things in my mind. Like I'd like to win the comrades. Um, I'd like to set the hundred K record, um, or at least 50 mile record or both. Um, and like, I still want to go under 210. That doesn't even seem like a goal anymore. It's just like, I just should do it, but I haven't done it yet. So. Yeah. Like when's it going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Like I just, I just need to kind of do that. Um, and then I think, but like long, long term, like I feel like 206 is like kind of another level. Mm. And so if you can run 206, it's like, okay, you're like, you're just, you're in a different category now. And I think like that, that's what, you know, ultimately I would want is to kind of move into that kind of, cause like you kind of have like, you're a good American, but like, I want to be like, just good. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like that next level. How do you get there? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I definitely like the mindset, like I think is part of it. And I think that I have that cause like, yeah. Uh-huh. 206 like for example doesn't really like scare me or intimidate me and I see how that can be realistic um and then it's just like consistency I mean it realistically it'll take time um you know and you just have you have to continue to like work on your speed and not neglect that so I do have to do certain types of things to keep my speed like fluid and and so that 450 pace is comfortable is that what 206 is yeah yeah and then yeah it's just I don't know. I don't know exactly. I guess I'll I'll find out and I experiment. I'm doing some more things with altitude and uh, mm. not living at altitude, but having an altitude generator and trying to figure out how to put that into my training and which I haven't quite figured out yet. So, yeah, I don't know exactly, but I, I feel like it's just I have seems like I have some years to figure it out. Yeah, um, totally. So it'll be it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean patience is key, and like you said, that consistency for sure. It's hard to be patient sometimes. Do you have a hard time being patient? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it depends. Like, yeah, with running things, like like time, like achieving times and stuff with running, I not necessarily, not necessarily, but just in general life, yes, I'm not, I'm not patient. Mm. Um, wait, wait till that baby turns three and you're trying to get their shoes on, and it takes 15 minutes every single day before well, school. Well, that's the thing is, I probably, <laughs> I would not put their shoes on I go everywhere barefoot and or not everywhere but like I don't why you don't need to wear shoes I'm pro that trust me if the school wants you to wear shoes they can put your shoes on (laughs) but if you want to play around I mean when they're three maybe I'll make them because like they don't understand they can step on like glass and stuff but but once they reach a certain age where they're aware it's like put your own shoes on yeah or like you know mess up your feet I don't care like You'll figure it out. <laughs> My kids are always barefoot, so no, I'm I'm very pro no shoe. So. Well, biomechanically, I think you should be barefoot as much as you can. When oh, really? Young. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think it just. I think we should be barefoot unless there's like nails and glass on the ground. Then, you know, but listen, I don't know how I've made it nine years with four barefoot children all the time, 
and not once having like a we're in the ER because so and so stepped on a, a rusty nail. Like we, I mean, I'm probably jinxing myself, even though I don't believe in jinxing. Um, but my boys are barefoot twenty four seven, and um, we've yet to have any like horrible incidents. And my younger ones, like if if somebody forgets shoes, we'll just go right into the store. And I'm like, just don't look at anybody. Don't just act like you have your shoes on. Just keep <laughs> keep moving forward. Keep plowing through. And nobody's ever. We were at the airport last year, and my three year olds just like walking through the airport without shoes, which I realize is gross. But sometimes it is just not worth the fight, people. It's not worth it. <laughs> Um, all right, cool. Well, um, lastly, before we do into podcasts, just give us like a brief synopsis of your rim to rim to rim experience. Brief. Oh, I know. It's like, how do yeah. you go brief on that? Yeah, that was my friends were doing that. So they invited me and I was like, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't super well trained for it. I wanted to run fast just because that's what seems fun to me trying to run fast, but <laughs> I wasn't super prepared to run it super well. I didn't do any trail training. Um, I did not enjoy the running part of it. Like I just, I literally from the start, I, I was like, I hate this. <laughs> and then I, it reminded me cause I, we had this run in Arizona the way we ran up called South mountain and it was basically the same terrain and I hated it. Like absolutely hated it. And then as I was running, I was like, this is Arizona. Like what the heck was I thinking? This is the exact same trail uh. that I hated, but now I'm doing it for 40 something miles. <laughs> so <laughs> But I mean, the Grand Canyon is amazing. Yeah. It was an awesome experience. Like it was just so cool and beautiful, and you got to basically be out there by yourself. Like once I passed the little middle station at the bottom of the canyon, I forget what it's called, Phantom Ranch or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there was nobody. Like I saw two people, like in a total of like six out. Like so, I was basically just by myself in the Grand Canyon. Like it's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, the running part, yeah, it was. It was whatever. <laughs> so you would do it again for the being alone in the Grand Canyon part, not for the running part. Um, I would figure out a way to make the running part better. Like I think just doing it now, I would know, and I, um, I I'll honestly probably end up doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do it? You want to do it better? Yeah, I, I like I won't plan. I don't know. I just. I'll just end up doing it again somehow. I don't know if I'll like it, but I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) This is what's, what I'm saying is unconventional though. Cause I just think of like your classically trained marathoners that are running at levels that you're running at. Like they just like right now in their career wouldn't be like, yeah, I'm going to go to rim to rim to rim, you know? Yeah. You have more adventure though. You're having more adventure. You're having more fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think I'm having fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. So, what well we kind of covered this when I asked you what your big hairy audacious goal is. so you can make it something non-athletic but what is something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet I don't know I mean it will once I have a child it'll probably be something related to them but right now I feel like if our uh, like winning state with our cross country team because like that's our highest thing we can win that would be that seems like it'd be really cool because it's just there's I feel like there's more satisfaction when as a coach, when your team wins, it's like more satisfying than when you're an athlete. At least that's how it feels for me. So I, I can't even really anticipate the emotions I'd have. Everybody, if you need a spirit boost, go just go to a local cross country meet. If you haven't been to a cross country meet in a long time, like just like go to the meet and feel the energy from start to finish and cheer on every last runner. 
And like that yeah. energy is just so good. Yeah, I met a lot of high school cross country meets, um, partly for recruiting, but also just because I live like I basically live at the park that the oh that's that all nice. the bases happen at. Like it's a Woodwood Park. I live like less than a mile, so I'm just always kind of there. That's nice. And yeah, it's just there isn't yeah. There's really almost nothing more motivating. Like even for myself, like I can watch a a JV or Frost Soft race and it motivates me. Like it just just puts you in a mood to run. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's great. <laughs> Do you just pop over there and like kind of cheer for people? And then like, if you're not on a recruiting visit, like, do you just kind of pop over and cheer and then move on with your day? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I love I just that. Kinda, I, just, I just jog over to the course, hang out for a few hours and then jog home. Do these kids know who you are? Like do some of them maybe do? Um, some of them, but like most, most of them know. Yeah. They're just like, <laughs> Yeah. random kids that are running middle school, high school, yeah. cross country. I love that. That's so good. Um, okay. What is the best, most recent book you've read? I, I don't remember the last book I read. Oh, really? That surprises me. You seem yeah, so intellectual. I, um, yeah, but I don't read books. I, I more mainly just read like studies, research like articles. articles, research articles. My wife was like, yeah, what's the last, I don't, I don't even know the last research article I specifically read, um, well, I was reading about like beta alanine loading and then the different, <laughs> different types. And then like, um, there's like this other supplement that I was trying like called Katsuo stamina. So that uses like answering, answering, I don't know how to say any of them, but it's like similar to beta alanine and yeah, I don't know. So there's something with beta alanine loading <laughs> and, and your muscle carnosine levels. Um, my husband also doesn't read and he reads, but he reads articles all the time, not articles like you're talking about, but just like, I don't know, political articles and articles about finance and things like that. And I'm like, why don't you read a freaking book? <laughs> there's too much this why because there's too much fluff in a book. Usually uh, there's like a lot of words that don't mean anything. Cause you gotta like, make it I a want, book. I want, yeah, exactly. I want like the facts. I want the, I want all the content. I want this pure informational content and then so I go through studies really quick like I like skim the abstract in about 20 seconds and then I'm on to the next one okay. and if it's like really like a really really cool study with like interesting results then I'll read kind of the methods and stuff but for the most part I'm just like it's just rapid like I'm going give me the dense substance give me yeah. the things I need um what did you go to school for um, I was like exercise science in undergrad, and then I got my master's just in physical education. Oh, okay. Did you think you wanted to be a, te a gym teacher or something? Yeah. Well, I got. I knew I wanted to. At some point, I knew I wanted to like go into coaching. Okay. And so you needed like a, I knew you needed a master's for like community college or some mm. colleges, and then I. But then I was like, I could do high school too. So I got a. My program was a K through twelve credential, and then. Um, a master's in PE. So I got, it gave me the opportunity to do either one. I mean, I always just feel like that would be the most fun job ever, but I'm sure there are some challenging pieces to it as well. Like being a high school or like a, well, my kid's elementary school teacher, like he just seemed like such a fun, like, <laughs> you know, like just like you are a classic gym teacher. His name was Mr. Pitlock and they called him Mr. Pickles. And I'm like, this is just like so classic gym teacher. Yeah. I wasn't very, elementary because I didn't have a student teaching for elementary school PE and I wasn't particularly good at it I, I just 
I don't know. It's it's hard. It's it's fun. I think if you're there a lot, like you have to be there for a few years. I think. Yeah. To really know the kids uh. and, but like, since I didn't really have like necessarily the relationships with the elementary kids, it was just like hard and mm-hmm. like, I don't know. But it is fun. But it was, yeah. I think it was just I didn't desire to do elementary school. It's that patience <laughs> thing. Like, come on, guys. Like waiting for everybody to like get do what they need to do. Yeah. Oh, and it's also tiring. It's just really fast paced. And like, at least in Arizona, it's like every, you have a class every 30 minutes. Mm. So like you go through this four part lesson really quick and then they're out and the next class is oh, in. Oh yeah. It's like you're going and it's, 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 uh, and you always got to be like fully on and the kids are at their, you know, they're, it's PE. So they're all like, yeah. So like, it's just, it can be tiring. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you remember what your gym teacher's name was in elementary school? We didn't have my elementary school didn't have uh, like PE. We just the teachers would just kind of take us out, and I don't know what we did. We uh-huh. just kind of ran around. But we had we had elementary school sports, so we just had like after school sports. Mm-hmm. We didn't necessarily do like a structured lesson in elementary school. Mm, okay. Now everybody listening is thinking, what was my elementary school? <laughs> Mine was Mr. Fox. I wonder what Mr. Fox is up to. I wonder if he's still alive. Um, okay. If you could ask uh, coffee, tea, or cocktail with someone fun, motivating, or inspiring, who would it be? Uh, I don't know. Probably either Kevin Hart or Matthew McConaughey. It would just kind of depend on the day. There's a book you <laughs> but can But they, they both just seem... I know I've actually kind of wanted to read the green lights uh-huh, one. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, I've actually thought about getting that. I just haven't. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Both of them just seem like really interesting guys and like entertaining, like fun. Um, but like I listen to them on like podcasts and stuff and they're just like, seems like we could just have some cool conversations. <laughs> what podcast did you listen to them on? Uh, I think a couple, but mostly Joe Rogan. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Matthew McConaughey was like doing the podcast rounds when that book came out. I, I feel like I heard him on like yeah. five podcasts. Yeah. He was, yeah. <laughs> he was even doing like some smaller ones that like... I'm surprised because he's Matthew McConaughey, you know, but he was like, I'm getting yeah. this book out here. Yeah. But Kevin Hart, I like because he does like, like he'll just do anything. Like I, like I feel like he takes like full advantage of being a celebrity. So he'll go to like everything. I mean, he's just like, he's literally everywhere. And like, just, it just seems like he's having so much fun. Like just like, you know, like in, and pretty into sport. Like, I mean, is that all the sporting events and, you know, does the NBA of, celebrity all-star games but like track like he's pretty into i mean yeah he ran a marathon i think uh yeah i think i know he did i think he did new he york did something with yeah and then i thought he was at something in la too but yeah but he's done a lot of running stuff and some of like he's i don't know but yeah i'm just, gonna go listen to him on a podcast today do you think it'll make me laugh yeah uh yeah well depending on the one you listen to but i mean he's also pretty like more like his more intellectual stuff like it's just like he's got like i don't know i just it's i like hearing him talk about just kind of more serious things but he always keeps it funny and entertaining Mm -hmm. but like also what he's saying is is kind of like insightful and just i don't know i just enjoy listening he's um smarter than people might think he is yeah no he definitely definitely is (laughs) um i recently listened to david sedaris on armchair expert if anybody's looking for a a good one. That's a funny one. And he's also really smart. Um, okay. 
What is your last message to leave with our audience today? I would just say, I guess, like, like sometimes like life is just kind of crazy and difficult or just, I don't know, hard. Um, but just like remembering like how kind of crazy it is that like you're, you're living. Like I, I think, so like, I, I kind of think there's like two ways. It's like, um, like I believe like in God, but then also like at the, if you don't, it's like, then you're a bunch of like, when you break down atoms, there's like quarks and gluons. And then you break down those and it's like, we don't really know. And there's like, part, like I'm really into like quantum physics. But it's crazy because like life is like nothing. Like it's literally just all empty space, and it doesn't make sense because the same things that make up a rock somehow make up humans, and like it, it just like it it literally is so mind blowing. And so when we think about all the like problems we have and things that are real that are going on that suck, it's like but yet like we're alive. Like it is so crazy that we're living and like that the universe is here and that it works and it works the way that it does. Um, and so I think just like kind of having that perspective that like, okay, like I have life and it doesn't make any sense and I can't explain everything about it, but like not only do I have life, but like I have like a purpose in life and like it may feel like I don't, but like people not like depend on you, like you're going to let people down, but like you have like a purpose, like you can like make people's lives better and so just knowing that like your life is amazing and that like you have like a purpose to like make other people's lives even better. Um, just kind of remembering that in the midst of like all the craziness that can be going on. I love that. Um, what makes you believe in God? Um, lots. Well, different things. Um, there's been times where it's like, I don't know if I believe or not, but one, just like the craziness of the universe and like how it, it it almost to me it almost doesn't make sense to not believe because it's like what it it doesn't make sense to me how all this like basically randomness can like formulate together to like create humans that can like talk how we're talking because yeah. it's like when i break down the quantum physics it doesn't make sense how now i have a human that's like loving and also hating you know all the goods and bads like it doesn't make sense when i really break it down from a scientific level it just shouldn't work that way and but then more importantly too is just the life experience like intentionally and like trying to like understand God and like just the things in my life that like have happened and like the I don't know it kind of like things you can't explain like you just kind of have to experience God like with an open mind like and then it's like there's things happen and it's like you know I can never prove it like I can't prove anything or like show you scientifically like what how, like that it's proven but like it's just like you just kind of know that it's real and that like there is like a a god that like how like is not human but like act like relationally like like a human that you can interact with and it's just at this point like I almost like can't not believe because it just doesn't I'm like <laughs> I don't know it just doesn't make sense to not wow that's like a really comforting perspective um I think sometimes people are like scared of what they'll like stop believing or scared they'll start believing something they never believed before and like investigating it and asking questions can feel really scary. Yeah. Well, I think that that's your, uh, for whatever reason, our brains are like that too. Like you don't like to change yeah. what you're thinking. And I think like 
that like depression can be hard too because like I went through times when I was depressed and it's like I realized that I craved the negative thought patterns like I wanted Mm. to feel that way and then it was like if something came along that I knew would make me feel good I like didn't want it because I didn't want it it was really weird because I was like your your brain just kind of gets stuck in when it's always done or the thought patterns that it's in or the belief patterns that it's in and it's really really resistant to change um which I also think is interesting in the Bible because it talks about like praying continuously. Like there's all these habits that it talks about doing. It's almost like as if God knew how our brains work and how it <laughs> gets in these patterns. Um, and so I find some of that interesting. But but yeah, no, it's total like, yeah, it's like no one likes to, I mean, changing your fundamental beliefs is like, it's like that just, it's it's not going to feel good. In the I, It's going to take some challenges or weird feelings because your brain's going to be resistant to it. So the most recent podcast I just listened to, I think you might like it's um, Kelly Corrigan wonders is the podcast and the episode with, let me open it up. This is for maybe listeners are interested. Anytime someone brings up God, I'm like, Oh, let me go there because I'm so interested. Um, An evangelical and a Muslim walk into a conference. Okay. Pastor Bob Roberts and Muslim, Ayman, I'm probably saying his name wrong. Ayman Muhammad Majid. Anyway, the Christian guy and the Muslim guy are both on the podcast together and they like do these conferences together and stuff. And it's a really interesting conversation. Cool. So Kelly. Kelly Corg- Corgan wonders. And she's actually her whole series right now is on faith. And so there's some other really good episodes on faith the past like three or four weeks that she's done that. But I will say one of the most recent episodes is with an atheist and I'm like scared to listen to it because I'm always scared that I'm going to be like pulled into the direction I don't want to be pulled into. You know what I mean? Like that, like pulled into a belief system that I don't want to believe, but I'm going to listen. Yeah. I mean, in, in college, I, I felt like I, I try to find every argument for every side, you know, like yeah. other religions, but like mainly like mainly atheism and um or or even agnostic like because atheism doesn't necessarily make sense because how can you declare like with certainty that there's not like but more agnostic kind of agnostic atheist leaning like that makes a lot of sense like i don't really so, like, know but i don't think i believe in, in yeah God. i don't really know but it doesn't you know i'm leaning to like there's probably just nothing in yeah. which i fully understand so like all those arguments and then all more like christian like bible arguments and um, yeah, at, at times, cause you will, uh, you can on anything, you can hear something. And I think this is like not even just religion, but you can hear something and a lot of things can sound good and right. So like even like political or like yeah. nutrition wise or training principles wise or getting the vaccine or not, you know what, it, like you can hear someone talk and you may initially disagree with them, but like when you hear it, it's like, Oh, that, that sounds like it could be right. Like that makes sense. And then then you have to go do your own investigation on it and then it either either you find what they're saying could actually be true or you're like okay no this is where like it's not actually true but and so yeah but yeah because you can hear arguments that initially do pull you and you're like it makes you question but the questioning I don't think is bad yeah it's just that when you when you question and then you're like oh since I'm questioning my old belief must be wrong and it's like no just because you're questioning, it's like, it just means you need to, it just means you need to explore it more. And then it'll either make it more real for you. Like you're, it'll make your original belief more real to you or 
you'll be like, maybe my original belief like isn't actually because not all of our beliefs are actually the correct like true beliefs. And so sometimes we do need to investigate more. And um, but yeah, I mean, you you, you want to be careful too, like, and you want to have your sources when you're investigating have them be balanced because you can definitely. Um, think sometimes we can be biased with our source like we want certain answers yes, and then we go totally. down and then it's like <laughs> that does, yeah what were but. you looking for were you looking for that answer yeah um <laughs> and I think just too in today's world it's like the internet is so noisy so it's like sometimes if you don't remove yourself from that it can be really hard to form your own opinions and your own belief system because like people are yelling at you all the time and in every direction. And it's like, oh, maybe I believe that. Maybe I believe that. And it's like, oh, no, just like remove yourself from everything and figure out what you really believe, not what everybody else is saying they believe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cool. Well, thanks for that discussion. I always love I always love learning about what people think about about God and and all that. So I, I appreciate that you got vulnerable and shared that with us. Yeah, well, thanks for talking about it, too, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, good luck with the baby. Thank you. Big yeah. life-changing things. <laughs> yeah. And um, we'll be excited to see if you do, in fact, decide that you have slept enough to run CIM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm excited to find out, too. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, CJ. All right, thanks, Lindsay. Bye. Bye. Hey friends, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, CJ, for joining the podcast. You all can follow CJ and see what he does next on Instagram. He is CJ Albertson over there. You can follow me on Instagram. I am lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine and join our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We have a lot of fun over there. I also have a podcast for parents. If you're looking for a show that might speak to that part of your life, uh, check it out. It's called Why Is Everyone Yelling, right? Why is everyone yelling all the time? (laughs) I find myself saying that in my house 24-7. We also have some new hosts on the Illuminate podcast, which is a podcast where we share stories of people doing really good work in the world and bringing light to those around them. Uh, It's called the Illuminate Podcast. Check it out. Really excited about that show. And all of these shows are part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. And you can find Sandy Boy Productions at sandyboyproductions.com as well as Instagram, Sandy Boy Productions. Friends, have a great Friday, a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, we will see you next Friday.